Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding, surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome in, friends. It is another episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Hi there. I'm Chris Mack, your friendly host. You can catch me on 93.7 The Fan weekday mornings from 540 to 10 a.m. as a part of the Fan Morning Show. Catch me on weekends, Sunday mornings on the BetQL Network, talking about uh, sports and sports gambling from all sorts of different angles. Uh, the primary passion, though, especially this time of year, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Can they get in? It is an uphill battle. I haven't brought myself to looking at like 538 or any of the hockey viz sites that I usually go to to get a percentage chance on whether the Penguins make the playoffs or not as we sit here Monday afternoon. Uh, but I have a feeling it's probably less than 50%. And I understand why if that's the case because it is an uphill battle. Even if they win their final two games, and they should win both of those final two games. If they don't win their final two games, they don't deserve to get into the playoffs. Let's be clear about that. Tuesday, their home finale against the Chicago Blackhawks, a 7.30 Eastern faceoff. Thursday at Columbus against the worst team in the league, the uh, Chicago, the Columbus Blue Jackets, that a 7 p.m. faceoff. They should win both of those. And if they do, okay, they'll finish with 94 points on the season. The question is that enough to get ahead of and stay ahead of the Florida Panthers and New York Islanders who each have 91 points and each have two games left as well and each have the first tiebreaker advantage over the Pittsburgh Penguins, which is regulation victories. Florida with 36, New York with 35, the Penguins with just 31. So they cannot catch the Isles or the Cats in that category. So they've got to beat them in points. They can't tie them in points. Florida and New York can only secure two more points in the standings each or either or one of them. And the Penguins have to win both of their final two games in order to get into the playoffs. That's the simple math. The unfortunate part of it is both the Islanders and the Panthers are going up against teams in different scenarios who may not have much to play for. Monday night, it's the Islanders visiting an Alex Ovechkinless Capitals team that has been mailing it in down the stretch. Uh, the Florida Panthers host a locked-into-place Toronto Maple Leafs team who have known for the better part, it feels like, of two and a half months that they'll be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning 
in the first round. That is now actually locked in. They will be playing the Tampa Bay Lightning in the first round with home ice advantage over Tampa. So Toronto, very little left to play for. Uh, Still trying to get comfortable around a new number one goaltender in uh, Samsonov with Matt Murray out due to concussion issues. Still trying to get a couple guys, some landmark uh, points for the season. But I don't know if that's enough for Toronto to go out of their way to bust it against the Panthers on Monday night. So let's presume everything plays out over the course of Monday night and Tuesday night as we expect it to. And that would be a win for the Islanders in Washington, a win for the Panthers at home against the Leafs, and a win at home for the Penguins against the Blackhawks. Well, then you'll have the Pittsburgh Penguins still sitting there out of the playoff picture at 92 points, while the Panthers and Islanders would have 93 and it would come down to Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday, the Islanders host the Canadiens at 7 o'clock. And the Canadiens can't really, because of the way the standings sit right now, do much to improve their odds of winning the Connor Bedard sweepstakes, the NHL draft lottery. They are maxed out at an 8.5% chance to win the lottery. But they can hurt their odds and decrease their chance by winning games and adding more points in the standings to the 68 they have with two games left, including Wednesday night's game on Long Island. So I can't imagine the Canadiens are going to be going out of their way to put up much of a fight against the Islanders. Let's assume the Islanders win that one. The Islanders would then have 95 points. The Penguins would be out of the running for that first wild card spot. Again, if everything went chalk, so to speak, through Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday night, which means it would come down to Thursday. It would come down to the Pens in Columbus, a 7 o'clock face-off, and the Florida Panthers hosting the Carolina Hurricanes, also a 7 o'clock face-off on Thursday night. There's a couple ways that can go. Carolina could have clinched the Metro Division by that point. They play Buffalo, I believe it is, on Tuesday night. Let me just make sure I have the schedule correct. No, the Devils play Buffalo on Tuesday night, Chris. Get it straight. Carolina visits Ottawa on Monday night. If Carolina were to beat Ottawa, which wouldn't surprise anybody, on Monday night, and the red hot, I guess we could call them, Buffalo Sabres, who've won six out of their last ten and two in a row, and the Sabres were able to beat New Jersey on Tuesday night, well, then all of a sudden, a lot more things get locked into place. Carolina gets locked into the one seed in the Metro. They clinch the division and maybe have nothing left to play for on Thursday against the Florida Panthers. That's no good because a Panthers win then would clinch the final Eastern Conference playoff spot in this chalk scenario that we're playing out. And in fact, it would only take a single point for the Panthers in that scenario. All they would have to do is get to overtime. The Penguins would also, of course, have to win against the Columbus Blue Jackets. So that's why I totally understand if all of the hashtag math uh, brings it into less than a 50% chance for the Penguins to squeak into this final Eastern Conference playoff spot. But I also understand that things don't always go chalk in the NHL, as we know. As we've seen... Uh, the Penguins in games against maybe not the Red Wings this weekend, but a couple weeks ago in games at home against the Canadians and the Senators and Sharks, things don't always go chalk. Or maybe 
maybe that is chalk and the Penguins really aren't a playoff team. And that's why they're in the position they are in right now. I'm going to do it. I'm going to look it up before I bring Tango in. Eric Tangrady, former Pittsburgh Penguin, and Scott Burnside, just a couple minutes off on the horizon as well. I'm going to look it up. 538.com. Great statistical website. Has the Penguins percent chance to make the playoffs at, ooh, just as I guessed, right below 50%, 45%. Yikes. Panthers at 78%. Islanders at 76%. This is what happens when you don't win the games you are supposed to win, whether it's in late October in Vancouver or January, February, and March at home against Montreal and San Jose and Ottawa. You put yourself behind the eight ball. You don't control your own destiny. And you've got to hope Florida and or New York slips up in their final two games and you win out. We'll ask Eric Tangrady about what he saw, what we all saw Saturday in Detroit, which was the big guns and the biggest gun seemingly deciding to throw this thing on his back all over again at a point when we had maybe started to question whether he was still capable of that, at least in the course of this season. Tango joins me next. Chris Mack with you right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. And welcome back in. It is another episode of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. I'm Chris Mack of 93.7 The Fan and The Fan Morning Show. Joined a couple times every week by my man Eric Tangrady, former Penguin, veteran NHLer and AHLer, and head coach of the Shadyside Academy ice hockey team as well. And we're going to go in all those different directions. That's why I bring it all. Everything on the CV is up for grabs today, Tango, because it all applies to what we're, how we're going to talk about this team. After a big win in Detroit on Saturday, uh, you know, when we got down to the final three games, Detroit, Chicago, and Columbus, everybody said, hey, you, you don't beat these three teams. You don't deserve to get into the playoffs. But now that the standings are set up as they are, not only do you not deserve to get into the playoffs, you quite literally will not get into the playoffs if you don't win these final three. And when it came time to show up, I'd like to take some credit, you and I, for this, because we talked about Sid on uh, Friday and how he only had two goals in his previous 15 games or whatever it was. And was it maybe catching up to him, playing all 82 this year, eating as many minutes as he was on a nightly basis? And then, bang, he shows up in a big way in Detroit. Huge goal at the end of the first period with just a few seconds left. 
gets a second one later. And it feels like if there is a clutch gene, if it exists, if there's a little hidden strand of DNA somewhere in every human, this guy has got to have it because when they needed him in that moment, Saturday afternoon in Detroit, he showed up huge. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the intangible part of when we like, you know, you look and you start to level like greatness of players, right? We talk about Big Ben and then you talk about like, different sports. Not always is it like statistically based. Sure, you got to have the numbers to be in that argument, but like how do these guys play in the biggest games? Um, you know, me on the other side as a coach with high school kids, I, I always say like, where are my gamers at? I want to see who my gamers are, right? Not the kid who's going to score three goals in an eight nothing win, but the one who's going to show up when your back's against the line and, and, and things matter most. And that to me is why Sidney Crosby is the greatest of all time, because he's yeah. just consistently shown that he's a gamer and he's gone through adversity along the way. And you're absolutely right. You know, you, you challenge that guy for five minutes and it's like, okay, not that he even listens to the media because I think he's very present in himself, but it's just like, oh, okay, sorry. Sit, sits back to being sick. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Gino gets one too late to kind of put the icing on things. Um, what's your confidence level? I'll, I'll ask you to put it on a zero to 10 scale, your confidence level that these guys have the ability to will this team to a pair of victories, uh, in games 81 and 82, as weak as the opposition may be. Yeah. If the question is strictly out of 10, can they, can they win these games? I, I feel like I'm an eight or a nine. But, you know, the, the perfect answer is almost a five out of 10 if they're going to make the playoffs because it's a coin flip. You, they have eliminated the part where it's in their hands. It's their own yeah. state. They, they need to take care of business and they need luck. Um, and that's kind of a situation you really don't want to be in this time of year, but they just the cards are dealt. Yeah, I mean, I, I just after our conversation on Friday about the way those three, uh, Crosby, Malkin, and Latang, have had to carry this team, how they've had to do so much more, they've been counted on for so much more this year. Um, it really did hit me, especially after Crosby and Malkin both scored and Crosby the way he did on Saturday, that this is exactly the time of year. Now, it may end up being too little too late in their case, but this is exactly the time of year. It's April, the weather's turning nice. When they turn their games up and they show up in the big moments just as they did on Saturday. So I could see them, you know, I, I could honestly see them, Eric, even coming out slow against Chicago or Columbus on Tuesday or Thursday in either of those games or hitting a lull in one or both of those games. And one of those guys having one of those monster shifts where it feels like they just take the game by the throat and, and do whatever is necessary. Yeah, and I think from a fan's perspective, that's how we need to watch these games at this part of the season is just like admiring greatness. Because um, I thought that's something that Gray touched on that was like Ray Ferraro last week that was incredible. It's like the Penguins are in this weird phase where like three players can will them to be a playoff team. Um, obviously, they have some good complementary players. Gensel, those guys don't want to discredit their ability. But, you know, watching three guys will them to be like a, above average hockey team. And like, where does that set the team up for the future of like, we're just witnessing greatness in Pittsburgh. And we have these expectations that because you have these three guys carrying a team of 23, that they should be a Stanley Cup contender. And when you just look around the league, that's just not the, the total recipe right now. And um, I'm just admiring greatness watching these guys, which at their age, you could still use the word prime, but it, it's incredible. Yeah. 
Yeah, the fact that they're still doing it at, at this age, 35, 36, is impressive. But you mentioned, um, you know, relying on those three to do it all, not realistic. So it sounds like some reinforcements may be on the way back for the Chicago game Tuesday, maybe even the Columbus game Thursday, or if there should be playoffs in their future. Uh, Marcus Pedersen wasn't in the regular rotation, but was at practice in a non, or excuse me, in a full contact jersey, full participant. Um, and then Kulikov and Benino were back at practice on Monday morning as well. So are those the guys that you're looking to get back into the lineup? If you're really going to start to flesh this thing out, are those the kind of reinforcements that can help will them to a little bit more beyond just winning these final two games? Should they get into the playoffs? Yeah. Veteran presence, more pedigree, um, you know, Benino strong in the faceoff circle, um, defensive forward can help strengthen the special teams. Kulikov presence physically, block shots. Um, you know, Pedersen is kind of someone that can, you know, not to the crystal tank extent, but can lug the mail a little bit. Um, so these are, yeah, these are guys that can only help. Uh, I just know that this time of year, coming back from injury, like you almost wish you had two, three weeks before playoffs to kind of yeah. get thrown into the fire because there's really no time to get caught back up to game speed, get acclimated. Like it's playoff hockey, it's right now. If you're on the other side coaching, like let, let's let's play this out. Let's say they win their final two and they're able to sneak in and they got to go up against Boston or Carolina in the first round. We know how difficult it's going to be. But if you're looking at the, the Penguins blue line, and let's say Pedersen's healthy and back and Kulikov is healthy and back, and you're looking at, at, at pairings of probably Dumoulin and Latang, probably Pedersen and Petrie, and probably Kulikov and Ruda. Kulikov and Ruda are definitely physical. We know what they can do, but they might not be as fleet of foot. Um, we've seen the limitations that Dumoulin has had at times this year, but he's playing with Latang. Uh, almost how that relationship has flipped in a way over the years to where now Latang is the guy looking out for Dumoulin. And I would think that Pedersen and Petrie would be similar as well, and that Pedersen may be a little bit more stay at home as we've seen Petrie try to add more offense to his game down the stretch. If you're the opposition, though, where do you try to get your top line? Out? Who do you try to get your top line out against if those are the pairings? Yeah, I mean, respectfully, if you're Boston, I don't even think you're concerned about pairings. I mean, they just they just have they have, they have one A, one B, one C. Um, I'd expect in a series like that, Boston to play some of the most hard nosed hockey, run that you know, chip and chase like you wouldn't see, but or like you've never seen. Like they have the ability to play a skill game, a physical game. That's just what makes them so great. Um, but, but I think at that point, I think you can fight fire with fire if you're Boston. Um, I think you feel pretty good against Bergeron's line, going against Crosby, Latang, and, and Dumoulin, trying to get those guys just, let's just let's see our best versus your best because we feel confident that our depth is better right. than your depth. So um, that's the big concern for me when it comes to the Penguins is you know, one, maybe two-dimensional. Um, from there, where else, where else can you – Find it, finding the ability to kind of get an advantage in the hockey game. The other part of this that's interesting to me is we start to talk about Benino getting back in the lineup. Granlund hasn't really done anything uh, to, to get booted from the lineup yet, at least in Sullivan's opinion. Um, Drew O'Connor banged up now. He was practicing Monday, but in a non-contact jersey. This Alex Nylander cat, who I think is, has looked like he can have an impact on games, and he did have an impact Saturday afternoon, scored the first goal of the day, and then nearly had a second one later. Should he be getting more opportunity? Is this the kind of guy that you can insert late in the year, especially once the playoffs come? If you're in a, 
especially if you're the Penguins and you're in a no one expects us to do anything in the playoffs kind of scenario, especially if you get Boston in the first round. In my opinion, anyway, that's the kind of guy I inject into the lineup and let him run around out there with with Paling and 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 try to make some things happen with their foot speed, with their skill on that third line. Um, should he be getting more of a chance? Yeah, I think so. I think Paling's been great too. He's been kind of someone to me that's been very consistent using his speed and his size. Mm-hmm. Uh, but no, uh, Nylander, you can't judge him off of what he was because I think he's really starting to become more consistent. Um, he has coming into the league as he was drafted was supposed to be a high end talented forward. So you know the skills there. And I think now he's starting to learn he needs to be more consistent and he has to play a different role if he wants to stick. So I think at this point they have nothing to lose by inserting somebody like that into their bottom six because of the high end skill, his goal scoring ability. Um, and now that he's starting to slowly round out his game a little bit. When you're riding that shuttle back and forth, that yo-yo man, how frustrating is it? I mean, he's been, he's been some days, you know, an emergency call up in the morning and shipped back to Scranton, even if it's just on paper, uh, shipped back to Scranton in the afternoon. Um, how hard is it riding that up and down NHL, AHL yo-yo? Yeah, that is something I can confidently speak on because that was probably <laughs> pretty much my entire career. It's brutal. I mean, you can do it early on in your career because you still have the adrenaline and the goosebumps of playing in the NHL that you get. Not that, you know, you take any opportunity for granted, but, you know, when you're in your mid to late 20s and you're, you know, you feel like you're not being set up to have success. And and, and what does that mean? Like most players get a pregame nap and a good meal. You know, he's probably in a car um, coming across, you know, I-81 to get here. So it gets very frustrating and it's taxing mentally. But at the same time, like any other experience we go through as professionals, you have to be a professional and you just have to find a way and not have excuses. So I think that's probably, you know, after you do it 10, 15 times, you just learn to you just take a deep breath and just say it is what it is. And I just got to yeah. deal with it. Control what you can control. All right. Million dollar question. Um, Tuesday, Chicago, Thursday, Columbus at the same time. Uh, Monday night, the Islanders have an ovechkin Capitals team. Uh, the Panthers have a locked-in Toronto Maple Leafs team. They know they're going to be second in the Atlantic, and they're locked in to face Tampa. Wednesday, Islanders play Montreal, who wins for them, reduce their chance of, uh, granted, a limited chance, 8.5% right now, but reduce their chance of possibly winning the Connor Bedard lottery. Um, Thursday, Florida plays Carolina, who could have already clinched the Metro by then. It would seem that even if the Pens win their final two, there's still a good chance they don't make it because, like you said earlier, they don't control their own destiny. I know you threw out 50-50 earlier, but what's your gut feeling on how these final few days play out? Yeah, looking back weeks ago, strength of schedule played a factor, but everything you said makes this uh, just who's going to be ready to play. I mean, teams are going to start resting, guys. Mm -hmm. Um, I'd say if you look at the schedule, it's probably completely balanced. You just have three absolutely hungry hockey teams. The only difference is Florida's rolling right now, feeling pretty good. The Islanders are rolling. Um, honestly, three teams for two spots, it's going to take, I'll say four or five out of 10, uh, even if they win both games, it's just hard for me at this point being even one point behind. Um, and I don't know how the tiebreaker completely up right now. I don't think it looks good with the regulation win for the pen. So, um, it's a long shot, but as we've always said, this team, these players, this pedigree, they seem to always find a way, but, um, Hopefully they can just stay present and understanding it's one day at a time at this point. 
Real quick, before I let you run, uh, two with Tango, you are coaching now. You're coaching high school kids at Shadyside Academy. And I got to think as a coach, it does your heart good to see a national championship won on a set play off of a face-off, like Quinnipiac did it this weekend in the Frozen Four. Um, it was textbook. It was like it was just drawn up on the dry erase board on the bench. And they said they practiced that thing hundreds of times this year throughout the course of the season. Is that... I mean, does that warm the 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 cockles of Eric Tangrady's coaching heart when he sees that? Or do you wish yeah. for more of the beautiful game where it's like, no, 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 we want to see it happen off the rush. We want to see, I mean, a set play like that, you, you got to be feeling good as a coach. Absolutely. And and they've probably tried, tried to run that play probably close to 100 times this season and maybe executed it twice because everything just has to be completely perfect. You know, win the draw. Okay, get it to your D partner. Then the winger has to time it perfectly. Stay on sides. Tape the tape execution. Like it was beautiful to watch. And I'm sure the, they said the assistant coach was the one who drew that one up before the period. Like I'm sure they haven't stopped him from smiling for the, the last uh, 48 hours. But no, it was beautiful to watch. And we do face off plays every day with the hope that we can get one extra scoring chance a game. If you execute it perfectly, you will get one extra scoring chance. So for players' min mindset, like you do it in practice and you're like, okay, okay, is it ever going to happen? Is it going to happen? And then boom, it's just awesome to see from players, the coaches, that all that work, all that execution pays off in the biggest moment. And I mean, what a game down the stretch. And yeah. it, like the last 10 minutes, they they deserve to win the game just because the, the ice was tilted from the 10 minute mark on in Quinnipiac's favor. So is this going to be, are we going to see the Shady Side Academy Bulldogs pull this out now in, in, in the fall once things get going? I mean, are, are, is there going to, if we hear you call out, what's what's Quinnipiac's uh, mascot, the Bobcat? If we hear Bobcat. Coach yell out Bobcat, Bobcat, is that going to be the, the Quinnipiac play from here on out? Yeah, we're, we might as well try it, right? It's, <laughs> it, the, the positive of all this is all the press in hockey, it seems like, is like who can do the Michigan and do an individual skill right? move. And that's the cool thing to do. So you see kids in practice doing that, doing that, doing that. So now as a coach to be able to pull some video and say, this is why we work on these plays. And this is why you guys think this is boring. And like, this is a national championship game and they execute and they score. So it's nice to have a little bit of backing to, to the words you're speaking to these kids on these boring neutral zone face-off plays. But yeah. we'll try it. You bet it. We'll try it. Love it. Love it. Tango, thanks for the time today, man. We'll talk again later in the week. And, We'll see what the scenario looks like. We could still be talking about percentage chances and who wins what and how many points need to be secured going into Thursday's game. And we'll definitely have plenty to break down off of Tuesday's game against Chicago as well. The home finale this year. Appreciate the time, man. Thank you. Looking forward to it. Great stuff as always from Tango. Yeah. You're, you're going to hear him. He's going to be, if you're, if you're at a, a, a PIHL rink, this fall, this winter coming up, you're going to hear somebody from Shady side. Yeah. Bobcat, Bobcat. They're going to run the Quinnipiac play off the faceoff. Uh, he's right, though. When he says, you know, four or five out of ten is his confidence level in this team being able to get in now, I, I gave you the scenario. It's not sounding good. I mean, they can beat Chicago and Columbus both, um, get those four points, and it still might not be enough as, with a, as I outlined Monday night. Islanders and Panthers both playing against teams without much left to play for. Uh, Wednesday, the Islanders play a Montreal team that would probably, all things considered, rather lose. Thursday, Florida against a Carolina team that might have nothing left to play for at that point. The other side of the coin is they may still be battling Jersey for the Metro Division crown on Thursday night. You keep your fingers crossed and hope that that's the case and that that's 
the scenario. All right, as we look ahead to how things play out in the final week of the season and then where they go from there, we'll ask Scott Burnside of Burnside on Hockey, NHL insider, that same million-dollar question. Do the Pens get in? The great Scott Burnside, next, right here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's time. It's time to hit the ice, Penguin fans. Chris Mack has you covered with all the news and notes surrounding surrounding your Penguin. Only on 5th Avenue Faceoff. Chris Mack of 93.7 The Fan here with another edition of 5th Avenue Faceoff. Lucky enough to be joined by great NHL insider Scott Burnside. Check him out. Google Burnside on hockey. That's where you find him. At Overtime Scott B on Twitter as well. And I'm going to dive right into it, Scott, because after probably what I imagined for some of us was a nice, relaxing, long holiday weekend, this is the, it's like one of those uh, green-white checkered finishes in NASCAR. Everyone's going to slam on the gas and get to the finish and try to figure out where the chips are going to fall. And in the Penguins' case, it could be winning both of their final two games and still not getting into the playoffs. So I'll ask you right off the hop, when you look at the way things shake out for the Islanders, the Panthers, and the Penguins, three teams, two spots to get in as the Eastern Conference wildcards, what's your feeling on how things play out this week? Yeah, I mean, Chris, you're absolutely right. And uh, it, it doesn't, I mean, on some levels, it doesn't look great for the Penguins. And and really, who do you have to blame Uh if you're the Penguins for being in this position with two games to go uh, other than yourselves, right? I mean, there's, you know, this mm-hmm. is, this is a team brought back the core. Um, the expectations, you know, certainly were that they would be somewhere um, comfortably in the, in the playoff mix in the Eastern conference. And, and of course that's not the case. They're going to need help. Um, and, you know, listen, if you can't beat Chicago or Columbus, in those final two games, well, shame on you. You don't deserve right. to be in the playoffs anyway. But let's assume that they take care of business. And, you know, I think the last couple of games have been a good barometer for that. Sidney Crosby, um, you know, once again, as he has for so many years, leading the way. So, you know, I, I think the Penguins should win those final two games. So to your question, I, I think there's a way right now. They have to – can't just get a point. you got to have – you've got to clear – either the Islanders or the Panthers because of the regulation win tiebreaker. So you can't, right. can't be tied. Um, but I think it happens. I, I just do. And I think there's so much uncertainty and unpredictability about the NHL game. It, it's part of what we, we, we love about it. And I'm curious to see what happens with the Florida Panthers. I, I, I assume Alex Lyon's going again, for the Panthers, journeyman netminder been on an absolute rainbow. What a great story! Really has saved the Panthers' season. Mm-hmm. You know, but is is there an end point to that? And I, your point about Toronto and Carolina, the the second team that the Panthers will play this week. You know, Toronto's sort of, I, I on my sense of Sheldon Keith. I know I saw um, Ilya Samsonov was quoted as saying he'd like to play 
wants to be in a groove in goal for the Leafs when they face Tampa next week in the playoffs. Right. Um, you know, Mitch Marner is a shot at a hundred points. This is a, I, you know, inter- I know that they don't have to, anything to play for standings wise. I think this is a real test for the Florida Panthers because I think Toronto really, you know, it's a team that hasn't won a playoff series since 2004. I don't think there's any coast in that team. Now I haven't seen anything about their lineup. Are they resting guys? My sense is that this this Leafs team is going to be a handful for Florida tonight. And so maybe this is the best shot for the Penguins, you know, even though they're not playing, to make up that ground, right? So right. a regulation loss, which is critical, I think that that's a possibility. And then Carolina is interesting too because, you know, and I provide some content for Carolina. So it, and, you know, it's a Canes team. Still fighting for first place in the uh, Metropolitan Division. Um, a team, I think a lot of questions surrounding them heading into the playoffs. No Andre Svechnikov, of course, Max Pacioretty, uh, done long-term weeks and weeks ago. Um, the goaltending a little bit in a state of flux. You know, with Frederick Anderson, hasn't played in the playoffs. Uh, in This will be his first start in three years, assuming he gets to start in game one. So I think this is a Carolina team, again, in game 82, in South Florida, I don't, and just understanding how Rod Brindamore and his coaching staff approach things, right. I don't think there's any coast in that Carolina team too. So I guess what I'm saying is I think there's a chance that Florida loses at least one of these final two games. You have to hope if you're a Penguins fan, it's in regulation. Um, the Islanders are a different story. Um, you know, they're going to, they, Washington is Noah, Noah Vetkin, as you mentioned, and that Caps right. team is just, yeah, and they are, they are playing out the string. So, yeah. you know, the Islanders look to me to be a team that has an easier way to stay ahead of Pittsburgh uh, over these final few games. Um, but I think there's, you know, I, I, I just, and Florida has shown us incredible wobbles throughout this regular season. So, I don't know. That's why you play them, though, right? Who knows? Exactly. I, you and I'll talk tomorrow. Cats will win tonight 5 nothing, and then it'll all <laughs> Blow the whole up. thing up. Yeah. I, I, I like your point. You know, I can get behind your points in regards to, to both of those teams that Florida is going to play this final week in that, you know, Carolina could still be fighting for things. You know, it, they've got an Ottawa team that's been scrappy down the stretch. Uh, and so you know, there's no guarantees on, on that. Uh, stacking up points for them. And if Jersey were to win Tuesday night against Buffalo, and again, Buffalo has been playing well down the stretch as well, but Jersey's still looking to chase Carolina down for that Metro division crown. Well, all of a sudden Carolina's trying to scrap and, and fight and claw for points as well on Thursday. And with the Leafs on uh, tonight, Monday night, I, you make a great point. Marner chasing a hundred points. And I think even, even greater. So in Samsonov trying to get, primed for the playoffs uh, with, with Matt Murray being out and who knows what the situation is like there, but if they, if they know they're going to ride him and he's the guy at this point, then he's going to want to be tuned up and he's going to want to feel locked in going into the playoffs. So that's a great point. Speaking of locked in going into the playoffs, the Bruins, they tie uh, Tampa and Detroit for the wins record over the weekend. Um, but I noticed, and it's, it, Maybe this is just wishful thinking on the part of a, a fan of a team who may play them in the first round. Neither one of those two teams won the cup. Uh, the 17 Lightning went out in the first round, in fact, and the Red Wings didn't even get to the cup final. They lost in the Western Conference final. So are the Bruins, in your opinion, uh, more 17 Tampa, 96 Detroit, or are they m- maybe more 
a team that I haven't heard them compared to as much and who they still may catch for the overall points record, 77 Canadiens who lost just two games in the playoffs and just steamrolled everyone. Yeah, I, I think it's a good question. I, I think it's, I think, and again, maybe it's recency bias, but <clears throat> I, I do, I am wondering about Boston and the playoffs and how they, how they respond to when adversity really finally strikes yeah. them, right? I mean, and, and on uh, listen, Linus Allmark, I, he wouldn't be my Vezina guy uh, just because his workload's been a little bit lesser than a Sorokin or a Hellebuck or, um, but listen, Linus Allmark has been a revelation. Boston gives up so little. They kill you every way you want to be killed. You know, there's Pasternak with a hat trick on uh, Easter Sunday to get to 60 goals. Um, there, there is nothing not to like about that Boston team. And there's really nothing to suggest that, you know, a team like Pittsburgh or Florida, although Florida is kind of a weird team because they can sure light it up yeah. when they get the opportunity. You know, it's hard to imagine that they could follow, fall into the trap that Tampa fell into in being swept by Columbus back in 2018. So, um, 18 or 19, 18. And I guess my, my thinking is what happens to the Bruins when they play, and let's, let's move them to the second round. They're going to play either yeah. Tampa or Toronto, uh, two good teams, although Tampa has looked a little bit bored by the whole process the last month or so, but those are two real good teams. That goes without saying, you know, how, how do they respond to that? And I go back to that Tampa team that won 62 games. I remember having a conversation after the fact with head coach, John Cooper, and, he was like, you know, we had nothing to play for for so long. We we had no urgency. You and mm -hmm. you know, uh, Bruins going for the record. That's not real urgency, right? That it is what it is. It's not anything compared to if you get down to nothing in a playoff series or you face your first elimination game. Those are completely different things. And Tampa had no answer for that. And Columbus dug in, and they never quit. So. I'm not saying the same thing can happen. You know, Patrice Bergeron, first ballot Hall of Famer, whenever he decides that he's going to quit. Brad Marchand, really, I think, is probably a Hall of Fame bound at some point. Um, you know, Pasternak is having just an incredible season. So, you know, I'm not saying they can't be beat because, as you point out, history tells you that winning the President's Trophy more often than not means you don't win the Stanley Cup. Right. Um, but I am curious to see how the Bruins respond to adversity when it comes, because it will come, and how they respond to having to elevate that urgency when they need to, because they have had very little to play for, for literally weeks and weeks. So let's bring it back to the Penguins, and let's assume they face the Bruins. Still an outside shot, uh, although it's limited. Outside shot that they could face Carolina or New Jersey in the first round. Um, are Crosby, Malkin, and Latang enough to upset any of those teams without the elite goaltending that we have yet to see the Penguins get this season? Yeah, no, I, I think the simple answer is no. But again, it, it's been so hard to, you know, I think to, um, you know, synthesize what this Penguins team is about or what they're capable of the last two or three years in, in the playoffs because, of course, the injuries last year. You know, to me, they were the better team. 
in that series against the New York Rangers, even with a third string goaltender going to overtime in game seven, right? I mean, I, I, if, if I know it's a mugs game to say they're the better team though, than the New York Rangers through seven games. And if they get the goaltending, they win that series. And I think the same was true two years ago. It's the Islanders, right? Justin Jerry wasn't good enough. And Tristan Jari needs to, he needs to be real good the next couple of nights. If he's going to play both those games, and I assume he's going to be the guy in game yeah. one um, if they do get in. And he's just, he, I mean, we have seen at various points of time that he is an elite NHL netminder. I mean, went to an all-star game. It, it just has been so inconsistent. And never knowing when that moment is going to be at hand, it, it, you can't win that way. It's, it's, it's. You know, it's the it's the ultimate truism in hockey. If you don't have the ultimate confidence in your goaltender at the drop of the puck every single night, it's very very difficult to win. You know, Colorado was a bit of an you know an aberration last year. It didn't yeah. really matter who was in net for them. Darcy Kumper was okay, got hurt, was okay. Pavel Francouz, it didn't really matter to them. But you can't count on that. And certainly, if you're going to upset or if you're even just going to go toe-to-toe with a juggernaut like the Boston Bruins you are absolutely going to have to have a netminder who steals a game or two games I think of that first game against the Rangers a year ago Casey Smith yeah you know who was unbelievable then gets hurt and you know like that's an unbelievable game and the, and the Penguins you know they, they found a way to win that game and they're going to need either Tristan Jari or Casey DeSmith to find that kind of level of play in order to steal two, maybe three games if you're going to stay close. And ultimately, if you are going to knock off the Boston Bruins. But I will say this only, listen, never count out that core. Um, And I know it's been a long playoff dry spell. Uh, If there's not urgency within that core, if they make it to the playoffs, if there's not urgency from that group now... I mean, when will it arrive? Right? It's right. been a long time for success for players who are used to, for a long time in their career, having success on a regular basis. So I, I hope it happens. I think it's great drama. I think it would be great theater. Um, and certainly, I know you know the ownership must be like, this is why we brought them back, right? We didn't didn't bring them back to wonder about our draft position here. What's right. gonna, you know, what's gonna happen the second week of April? They're counting on a playoff game. So yeah. The stated, the stated goal is fairly straightforward if those three are at the core of things. You're absolutely right. So what is the what does the offseason look like? And this is not just – it is a Penguin-centric question because we've talked about Jari and DeSmith, but can can any team fix their goaltending issues? Can the Penguins fix their goaltending issues if they believe they exist this offseason? Because I see a lot of second-tier guys, and I don't see anybody who necessarily jumps out especially free agency wise um, as a possible replacement for Tristan Jari. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. I think there's this idea, I mean, in, you know, in a perfect world, do you, you know, you draft and develop your goaltending. That's, that's what happens. It comes from within all those kinds of things, but it really, you know, it doesn't happen all that often. Right. I mean, yes, Sorokin uh, with the Islanders, Vasilevsky, obviously, um, with Tampa, Shesterkin in New in New York, but you know there there are lots of there are lots of Stanley Cup teams that 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 bring in their goaltending, right? I mean, just 
it's you can do it both ways you just have to make the right decision and so where do you find the goaltending if if you're going to the marketplace to find it now that's right you know that's the real question right i mean you know freddie anderson is going to be ufa you know he hasn't played in the playoffs in a couple of years so what does he show for carolina you know what happens there there aren't there isn't an obvious answer and you're absolutely right chris but but the maybe it's not the obvious answer i think of a you know a kid like philip gustafson in minnesota whose numbers are among the top in the nhl since the midpoint of the season since january whatever the, the timeline is his numbers are among the best in the nhl and basically he comes back in a deal for max talbot with ottawa and i've talked to a couple of uh, goaltending experts they're like did not see that coming so you know can you what's your scouting department like what's your pro staff say there is this guy you know billy Huso. you know has been really good in detroit different right. example because they're not a playoff team but can you find that player that comes into that position and doesn't just get you the playoffs in the spring of 24 but maybe becomes a player around whom you can build your playoff team for two or three or four or five years that i mean that's that's the question. And there probably are going to be half a dozen NHL teams scouring the landscape, looking for exactly that kind of player to play goal for them next year, whether it's Toronto or Carolina or whoever it's going to be, you know, that's where you have to trust your staff and, and, and go with, with what you believe can happen. I, I don't see any way you could come back to the same goaltending situation that you had this year in Pittsburgh, but who knows what happens if they knock off Boston in the first round, you and I are having a completely different yeah. conversation about what the off season looks like. All bets for this are team off. These would be the goaltend. Yeah, absolutely. Do you get a sense um, that, and I, I find it hard to read from the, the back channels available to me, but do you get a sense that John Gibson is maybe any less interested in sticking around in Anaheim for the rebuild there? Um, because he is now a guy who's, and he's been in his prime years, but, um, you know, a guy who I, I, I don't know, it's, it's hard to get a sense, uh, from talking to people, whether he has the appetite for sticking around in Anaheim while that uh, process plays out. Yeah, it's a good question. I'm just looking up John Gibson's contract status as we see here. Now he does have, according to my trustee, uh, cap friendly he has a modified no trade <laughs> clause. He has a 10 team, no trade list have to believe given his connection to uh, Pittsburgh area that he would love to be a penguin, but I, I, I don't know right. that for sure. Under contract through 26, 27 at $6.4 million. It's not a bad number. I, I think though, you have to wonder, you know, has he been beaten down? Basically mm -hmm. has he been broken by playing for one of the worst teams in the NHL over the last two or three years? Yeah. And I don't know the answer to that. Certainly, you know, there was a period of time when people considered him one of the top young goaltenders in the game. Um, I, I don't know if that's, I don't know if that's the case. And, and to go back to my point, you have to, if that's the kind of deal you're thinking about a, uh, to me, it, it, you can't be giving up assets, right? Prime assets for John Gibson. This has to be where Anaheim and John Gibson are saying, let's, let's agree to move on here and mm -hmm. where Anaheim is moving salary and moving into a different phase of their evolution as a team. 
you know, like to me though, you can't be considering John Gibson and sending out top end assets, whether that's picks or, right. or, or prospects, you know, and then let's be honest, Penguins don't have a huge reservoir of high end prospects, even though they don't have a lot of room on their roster given their salary structure. So, you know, I, I'm not against John Gibson. I just don't know what you're going to get with him. And uh, back to my point, you better be pretty darn sure that he is exactly what you want for a guy that's under contract through 26, 27. That's right. You can't, you can't make that mistake. As, if, as, if he's not any better than Tristan Jari or Casey Smith, then that makes no sense. Then what did you do it for exactly? I just it, it's it's mandatory in Pittsburgh that we ask about John Gibson when we talk goaltender issues. I, I totally get it. And who you know what? And maybe. You know, I I do believe in the you know the fresh you know scene is is really helpful. It's truly helpful for some players. And, and listen, Anaheim's been that's a hard place, right? That you know, changing you know, yeah. it's top problems at the top, and it is that's a hard place. They're they're that's a that's not a very good team, and so maybe going somewhere else, you find your you you find your groove or your karma again. And and we do know that he. You know, certainly had the tools. Does he still have them? Again, that's where you have to trust your scouting and your, you ha- just have to trust what you believe organizationally if he's the right guy to fill that, mm-hmm. fill that void. Last thing before I let you run. Um, who's going to do the fixing this offseason? Um, does a playoff berth, if the Penguins secure one, buy Ron Hextall another year and win, if at all, uh, especially in the landscape of the NHL, where we know head coaches get shuffled in and out so easily and so quickly. When does Mike Sullivan's seat get hot, if at all? Would missing the playoffs uh, reverberate back onto him at all? Yeah, um, I, I mean, I think when you don't make the playoffs and you have the core that the Penguins have, then then everyone should be uncomfortable, right? Mm-hmm. I, I do go back, you know, I I, I think Ron Hextall is one of the smartest guys in the game. I, I, I really do. I think he's a great hockey mind. Um, that situation in Pittsburgh um, is different than I think any other situation in the game. And if you went back and talked to Jim Rutherford and Ray Shiro beforehand, it just is. You, you've got that core. And, you know, when ownership, you know, the directive from ownership is, hey, let, uh, we want those guys back. And so make that happen. Well, then you do, then you do that. And, and part of the reason is you, you know, you're, you don't have five or six guys that are coming up through Wilkesbury ready to charge into the lineup, which is what happened back in, right. you know, Oh seven, Oh eight, Oh nine. And, and so on, because you're in the playoffs every year. So you don't get right. those guys and, and you're trading assets every single year, pretty much to try and load up for yet another run. And why wouldn't you do it that way when you have, I would say this, the greatest player of his generation in Sidney Crosby, and you have a Hall of Famer in Evgeny Malkin and maybe a Hall of Famer in Crystal Chang. All right, load up and do it every year. But you're right. Like at some point, it just the well is going to run dry. And it may run dry in two or three days. And then, and then that's the question, well, so what do you do? And And I think it's, you know, listen, Mike Sullivan's earned – all kinds of leash and rope. Yeah. And to me, it's about having a candid discussion. Do what do you want? What do you want to do? Because we have to make some changes here. And, and boy, it's hard because the way that team is built right now, it's hard to make you know dramatic you know systemic changes to that roster. Like you can't just get young. 
by snapping your fingers. It's going to no. be hard. And and some of the moves have, have not panned out for Ron Hextall, but his mandate has been build a team, go as far as you can. And if you don't make the playoffs, well, you know, is that Ron Hextall's fault? Well, I, he take you know, he shares the burden for that just as Mike Sullivan does. But I don't know. At some point, you know, ownership has to, well, okay, maybe. So what did we do now? Like maybe we made yeah. a mistake. Maybe we should have yeah. done something different a year ago. The easy to, the easy to ask that question when you're sitting one point out of a playoff spot with two games to go. And that may be moot if they make the playoffs and have a good strong series against Boston or Carolina. Who knows? Maybe you change your mind about how all of this looks. So pretty premature, I think, to, okay, this is what should happen because it's still very fluid. Scott, great stuff as always. Always appreciate your insight. Uh, people can check you out on Twitter. Overtime Scott B is the Twitter handle at Overtime Scott B. And of course, Burnside on hockey. People can go there and get the latest from you on a daily basis as well. Great NHL insider Scott Burnside here on Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Thanks again for the time. Anytime, Chris. That's something to hear Scott Burnside, who's one of the guys plug, plugged in really well around the league, say that Ron Hextall is one of the better hockey minds in the game. He's not saying that if he doesn't hear other people around the league saying it. That's what's wild. We we have insulated ourselves to a point here. And look, I'm not willing to absolve Ron Hextall of what I think is an awful roster building job. This past offseason, this past year, this past two and a half years. Yes, we'll go all the way back to what should now just be known as the Jared McCann incident. Uh, leaving McCann and Tanev available for the Kraken to claim, and both have been key to that team making a run this year. And who knows how deep the Kraken go to the playoffs with McCann as a possible 40 goal scorer. But again, that means people around the league, who again, Scott talks to a ton of people around the NHL, people around the league are looking at Hextall and saying, you know, he might be getting a raw deal there in Pittsburgh. He's actually a pretty smart guy. And whether you agree with it or not, and I think a lot of us disagree with that opinion, right? Whether you agree with it or not, other people are out there thinking that, which is wild, but I don't know. That might give you some sense of if the Penguins are able to wrangle a playoff berth out of the final four or five days of this season and put up at least a respectable fight against whoever their first round opponent may be. That's probably enough to keep Ron Hextall in his gig. That's just wild to me uh, because it doesn't help them going into this off season, build and prepare any more for the final few years of the Crosby Malkin Latang era. Uh, if you haven't already do yourself a favor, my gosh, if you're in your Odyssey app, listening to this right now, A-U-D-A-C-Y, go up into the upper right-hand corner. If you haven't already tap follow, and then you'll get notified as soon as new episodes of Fifth Avenue Face-Off are available to you. If you're watching this on YouTube, thank you. Hello, how are you? Uh, be sure to subscribe. Click the little notification button as well on the 93.7 The Fan YouTube page, and you'll get notified as soon as new episodes are available of Fifth Avenue Face-Off. Wherever you get your podcasts, please subscribe, favorite, download, rate, review, all that stuff. Let us know exactly how we're doing. You can always give feedback as well at the Chris Mack on Twitter. You can go there. Let me know what you think of Fifth Avenue Faceoff. Thanks again to Scott Burnside. Thanks to Eric Tang Grady. We will see how things go Tuesday in the home finale against the Blackhawks and be back on Wednesday to talk about it and what remaining playoff chances there are. Who knows? Again, based on what happens Monday night for the Islanders and Panthers, 
the Penguins may have a shot to leap right back into playoff position on Tuesday against the Chicago Blackhawks. Or they may be going into that game three points down with just two games left to play. That's some nightmare fuel for you as a Penguins fan, but we'll talk about it. However, it shakes out in the next 24 to 48 hours. We'll do it again on Wednesday. The next edition, Derek Scully of Robert Morris, by the way, will join me as well as Eric Tangrady as well of Fifth Avenue Faceoff.